If you have your Bibles and want to turn with us, we're in the Gospel of John, and we've started this amazing passage, three chapters long, of Jesus' farewell discourse. That's how the, the, the folks who are students of the Bible often do chapter 14, 15, 16, even 17, that Jesus, one long talk before he goes to the cross for us. I'm excited that we're in it. We're in the middle of it. We'll start in verse 15. But, but you know, I, I, he's got you. He really does. I know in this world sometimes it seems like he doesn't. Like I look at this world and suffering and injustice and the different trials that we go through and the different ways things are happening and it's pretty easy to talk about, wow, the end times must be upon us. These hard things are happening. But really, in the midst of it not seeming like he has us moment by moment, day by day, this is what faith is. This is what belief is. This is what trust is. He's got you. Right? We trust Jesus, not ourselves. And and one of the things that I have seen over and over in my own life, and maybe you have too, I'm always kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. You know, yeah, 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 he loves me, but... But, but he doesn't if you don't do these specific things. If you don't see these actual changes that the word has brought to your life. If you don't sort of, you're not staying in these specific ways of striving, if you're not transforming, if you're not seeing and you look at your own life and your, 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 your mirror that you look at and decide, what is it that's happening? You're supposed to see changes. And the, the most real thing you'll ever have for you today, what is it? Jesus Christ died on a cross for you. Full stop. Is it true? Yeah. I just have trouble staying there. I do. So this is kind of a two ways sermon because either you've got you, like there are some things you should be doing, and if you're not doing them, then God may or may not, you may may or may not really be his. Or, or he's got you. Those are different, right? At its base. I mean, I know the Lord helps us. The Holy Spirit helps us not sin. We have different things. God's producing our lives. Fruit. We have all this amazing stuff. But as its core, at its base, there's this fundamental two-way thing going on. Either I've got me or God's got me. Either I've got me with a little bit of help and assistance, however you want to put it, from God, or God's actually got me, Period. It can't be both. And I think, and I, I just, I do, I, I naturally think this, and God's kind of watching me to see how I'm doing and what I'm doing, and, and he's going to push me over here, hit me over here, or maybe be happy with me or sad with me, or, or however I want to put it about God as we anthropomorphize him, like, like he's our father looking at me wondering if, if I'm really doing what I ought to do. Are you taking responsibility for yourself? Are you appropriating his help to do the things he wants you to do? And if you aren't, you're done. And really surprisingly, why I bring it up today is because the ground for people thinking that way is the passage we're in. That's so surprising. 
Why is it surprising? It's the Bible. No, no, it's surprising because of the context of what's going on in our passage. So remember what's happening today as we're in this passage where Jesus, this is God talking to you and me today. It's so fantastic. But God is saying to these men, these disciples, and he's telling them he's going to the cross to die for them. And he's telling them, I've got you. What are they going to do? They're going to run away. They're going to totally fail. Peter's going to go back fishing. They're not going to be faithful to God. And Jesus' words to them are, I've got you. I really do. Do you trust me? The cross, right, it's not just some abstract forgiveness. It's the actual ransom of God for you and me. The blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of all of our sin forever, past and present and future. And Jesus says, I've got you. And somehow, somehow you and I make it. Well, maybe he's got me if I prove that I'm really worthy of the getting. I'm not joking, actually. I'm really serious. You don't have you. He's got you. So let's look at the problem. I'll show you how this is often taken. We'll walk down that path and see if how you normally think. And then we'll come back and say, okay, wait, in the context, what is Jesus really doing and how it impacts our very souls this morning? So first, help. We're talking about help today. It's fantastic. It's the Holy Spirit. What is he there for? Okay. So it starts this way. Chapter 14. Verse 15. I'll tell you what's going on today. You may not notice. Nathan Barbo's on vacation. <laughs> Did you see the slides weren't quite right? I've changed microphones twice. <laughs> he does all this stuff we can't see. Okay, well, if we can't see it, you're going to have to follow in your Bibles because we'll see what goes on. But verse 15 says this. It says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Uh, It's really important for you to hear. We start off with a bang, right? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Right away, this rocks my Christian world. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. I'm tempted to read it like, okay, in order to love me, to prove that you love me, like you might not love me unless you do what? Keep his commandments. Duh, Swanson. If you say that you love me, and I'm not really sure that you do, then you would do what I say. So it sounds like I'll be really in, I'll be really golden, I'll be really accepted, I'll be really pleasing, I'll really have his smile if I do what he says, if I keep his commandments. Wow, that's kind of hard. I don't know if you find it hard. Luckily, as I read the text this way, there's, there's some help because the next verse says this. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be w- with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Oh, good. I was a little worried, you know, I mean, doing the commands of God to prove that I love him is hard. But here Jesus says, as I think of it in this pathway, he says he's going to send me someone to help. 
That's a helper. Some of your Bibles have a capital H. The helper is going to be with me forever. The world doesn't get him, just us who love him. And, and again, what, what's the idea? We prove we love him by our obedience to all the commands in the Bible. Of course. We get help in that commandment keeping by the Spirit. So I get Holy Spirit energy, empowerment to obey so that I can prove that I love God. This is how I took these words for a long time. I don't know if you do. It's really common if you do. I'm not poking at you. I'm not saying you're dumb. I'm saying people go there. i got to prove that I love God. How do I prove it? Will I keep his word? How do I do it? The Holy Spirit's going to help me prove it. exhausting here's the thing it only holds together if you don't look real close and people who are there they don't want you to look super close because it starts to fall apart what do I mean well that way of looking at those verses that I just gave you means that keeping his commandments is the sign of love and it makes the Holy Spirit the energy to help you accomplish the sign of love where's the sign of love come from not the Holy Spirit he's helping you keep the commandments it's got to be there first which means your salvation is up to what? You. You've got you. That's this path, right? You can add all the Holy Spirit help you want on top of it. You can add all the other things you want on top of it. At the end of the day, it's just about are you loving God? If you are, maybe God will give you a helper. He's not going to give it to you first. You've got to actually love and then, because the world doesn't get this, just you. So you've got to love him first, and if you really love him enough, then you'll get the Holy Spirit. And if you don't have that, then you don't have the obedience that you need, then obviously you don't have the Holy Spirit and obviously you don't love God. Woe to you if you sinned last week. Last week? What about this morning? What about right now as you're listening to me? Everything's got to come from you at its base. Certainly not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to help you Okay, so stop. So leave that there. Just leave it there and say, well, is there another way you could think about this? Is there something else going on? That's not about me trying to prove that I love God by obeying some commands that I don't really keep very well anyway. And that James chapter, what is it, chapter 2, that says if I falter in just one little bit, I faltered in the whole thing. I'm in trouble. You're in trouble. You're in trouble your whole life. You never get out of trouble. You're always in detention. Is there another way? Yeah, there is. He's got you. So so come back to the context, right? Context is king. Jesus is saying something way cooler, way more amazing, way more reassuring than you ever have heard. Because he's speaking to the 11. Right? It's these, these disciples, these men who become to come absolutely amazed at Jesus and all he's done. You see, they're amazed because of what Jesus has done. Jesus has fed the 5,000. He's transfigured himself. He's, he's coming and he's, he's about to do this, this amazing thing. In fact, this whole scene has this major shadow on it. What's the shadow? It's called the cross. Jesus is right there on the cusp. He's about to step into paying for the sins of the world. His blood forgiving everybody who will put our trust in him. The the trust of a deed already done. 
right? They don't even understand the smallest piece of it, the height, the depth, the width, the love of Christ. That's Ephesians, right? It's coming. But, but Jesus is going to save them while they're denying they even know him. He adores them so deeply. And this is love. That's what John's going to write later on. He said, this is love in 1 John 4.10, right? Not that we love God, but what? That he loved us and gave his son. So I've got the father's love by giving Jesus to be the propitiation for our sin. So we see this, this love, this incredible, hard-to-believe truth that Jesus adores us, and therefore we love him. You know why I love Jesus? I've heard the message. He's forgiven all my sin. And it's not some far-off thing like, oh, yeah, I love Jesus because he's a nice picture. I've seen a representation. No, no, very personally, I, my, I, Jesus has done something so amazing for me. I can't be separated from his action, his heart, right? It's all the same. Jesus, he loves me. It's not blindly. You say, well, love is blind. And not this love. He's done this for me and for you. Okay, so Jesus says here this foundational truth. Go, if you can't go back to the, go back to, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You do see you can read it this way? If you receive these words of mine that I adore you even when you're nothing, if that's true, then you will keep my commandments. That's not a burden on you. That's a promise. Yeah, if, if you love me, and I do, I do because of what he's done for me, then the commandments will be kept, you guys. You're going to keep them. By the way, it's my commandments, not every commandment in the Bible, right? He's not saying, then you go back to the law. We saw that last week. You can go back to last week and look. But he's saying, hey, the words that I have for you, the things that I have for you to do, if you, if you trust me because, because I adore you and I'm going to the cross for you, if you just trust me, it's going to happen, you guys. You will. That's the future tense, right? This is the thing where, where the, the, the peace is, have you received me? Have you seen the amazing love of me for you? Because that's what love is. And you receive that, then guess what? You'll get this other stuff done. It's not a prove your love statement at all. It's a statement of assurance. Lord Jesus, I love you. Yeah, you will keep my commandments. I'll make sure of it. Keep your eyes on me, kids. I've got you. And this is the context of those next verses. So now you go to the next verses. And you look at the Holy Spirit, the capital H Helper, who's coming. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another Helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of Truth, whom the world can't receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he dwells with you, and he'll be in you. See, something supernatural is afoot. I'm going to the Father, says Jesus, and he's going to give you a helper, an advocate, sometimes translated a comforter. It's not a superpower to not sin. That's how we want to take the Holy Spirit. I'm staying in charge. You're just giving me a little extra effort so I can prove my love for Jesus. No, no, no. It's, it's not an enablement to return to the law, and, and we saw that last week. This is, did you see in there? This is the spirit of truth. Truth. That's super important. What's the truth? 
The truth is, Jesus saves, not you. Jesus loves, not you. Jesus keeps keeps after you, and the Holy Spirit keeps reminding you and me of the incredible mercy of Christ and the grace that He gives that He saves you. You know you need to hear this over and over. You need to hear this all the time, that your sins are forgiven. Why do I need it? Because I keep sinning. And when I get to heaven and look back, I don't think the issue is going to be, oh, look how the Holy Spirit had me, gave me victory in here, victory in here, and victory in here, and victory. So by the time I got to heaven, I shone a little stronger. That's why one. Or you get to heaven and you think, look, look at all these times where I fell down and I fell down and I fell down. And the Holy Spirit came and comforted me. That's the Holy Spirit. Gave me the truth. That's the Holy Spirit. Was my advocate. Yeah, it's okay, kid. Why? Because the blood of Jesus Christ has covered all your sins forever. That's what you need to hear. Because it's true. And as your life goes on, you're going to need to hear that over and over. And the Holy Spirit, the helper from heaven, that's what he does to your heart. You who say, I've seen Jesus, I've heard the words, and I know that he died for me. But you know what? I keep slipping back, and I keep slipping back. And I do things even that I hate to do in Romans 7. It doesn't say, pretty soon you won't. Okay, so that's what the Spirit's doing, right? You big sinner, you failure, Jesus forgives you. And I say that by the Spirit. I sing songs by the Spirit. I get melody in my heart by the Spirit. I even don't care about my own standing. I'll submit to other people by the Spirit because the Spirit's there telling me the message of Jesus and the truth, the Spirit of truth. That's what the Spirit's doing because the command of Jesus is to trust Him. And we get this Spirit who's with us, not just with us, in us. Do I understand it? No. Is it amazing? Yeah. So I want you to see this morning that Jesus calls this Spirit the Spirit of truth because you need to hear truth. And it isn't any truth, like how many feet are in a mile? Don't say 5,200 and whatever. It's not like, you know, how long am I going to live? Or those. It's truth about Jesus, right? In fact, the truth that he gives right here. L- look with me. Go. Next thing, truth. Look what he says right away. He says, I'm giving you the spirit of truth. And then he says this to them. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live. You also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. So so here's the truth, right? He won't leave you an orphan. You're not alone. He will come again for us. That's truth. How do I know that? It's written in the Bible, otherwise I don't know. Here's the truth. The world won't see Jesus, but these men he's talking to will. He's going to spend time, he's going to get resurrected from the dead, and he's going to come back to them to show them that he's alive. Here's the truth. Because Jesus lives, we live. Is that true? How do you know it's true? You know it by the Spirit, right? Here's the truth. We're united to the Father, God Almighty, in Christ. Wow! 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 You can't say enough. It's mind-blowing. We can't even understand it. How is that true? The Spirit tells us, reminds us, bathes us in the truth of Christ. We have no other truth. 
Do you see how that's different than, than going the other path? Because the other path, what you're really thinking the Holy Spirit doing isn't actually telling you truth because you know the truth already. You know the Ten Commandments. I don't want to tell you don't, don't murder. And you've got to think, well, the Holy Spirit's kind of helping me not murder. Helping me to be a good person because it's, it's giving me power to do the things that I don't really want to do, but, but, it, but it's giving me that power, you know. No. The Holy Spirit's the spirit of truth. It's telling you about Jesus all the time. You know, Jesus is true. He died for you. He loves you forever and ever and ever and ever. And then you say, Amen. You can do it. Say, Amen. He loves you forever. You say, Amen, by the Holy Spirit. There's no other reason you would, you would think that. That's 2,000 years ago. This idea of union is something that Jesus commands. Trust it. Jesus is not giving moral commands here. He's not giving some sort of new law to keep. He's not referring to the New Testament moral code. He's not thinking, oh, Paul's going to write something later, so I'm just giving you this so you'll follow what Paul says. He's not doing that. He's telling you what's happening with the Holy Spirit, and you get assurance that he's got you. He's talking about this discourse, this three-chapter, four-chapter-long discourse where he's pushing into this idea that he's got you. Trust me, he says. Abide in me. Believe me. Have faith in me. The necessary contrast, right? When Jesus says, trust me, the necessary contrast is instead of what? Instead of you. Don't trust you. I know that's bad English. I'm sorry. Don't trust yourself. Right? That's what I default to. My commands, he says. My words. In fact, he kind of switches here when Jesus is talking from entole, which is commands, to just words. Like, receive my words. Because the whole thing is about the concept of Jesus Christ who came from heaven and was God made flesh and who died on a cross for our sin. And we got to stay there and not think, no, we're going to use lever to try and do some other thing, like me getting to be a better me. It's not the goal. Resurrection is coming. Okay, so this is what the love of Jesus is. Abiding in him, trusting that the cross is enough. It is finished. He forgives. He, he joins. He unites. This is what the Holy Spirit is doing, is, is speaking this truth to us. He's, he's doing it. So it's, it's not making love into some sort of obedience code or rules to follow. He's saying, trusting me is loving me. Right? And look, that's what he says in verse 21. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. It's remarkable. Okay, notice it says, whoever has my commandments. Right, that means receives this word. The one who will hear, hear what? I've got you. Going to the cross for you. Right? He's not talking about Paul's epistles. He's talking about his call to trust him against our very normal human response to trust ourselves, to evaluate ourselves, to judge ourselves. And the whole context of what he's saying here is trust me because receiving this is the same big equal sign to loving me. 
Receive this incredible love of mine, and you will be loved by the Father too. This is a big concept, and we kind of brush over it because we're around Christian circles. But somehow that God Almighty is perfectly seen in Christ. And to say, yes, I hear this message from Christ that he died for me and has me, that means that God Almighty is joined, and I'm in his family forever, and I just am. Massive. 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 Not only um, that Jesus loves us, but he's going to show himself to us, it says. Jesus literally did this. Like I said, he took time after he won the victory for us on the cross, because this is right before the cross. He went to the cross. He could have gotten right to heaven. Instead, he stuck around and he showed himself to these men to give them assurance. Yes, it's finished. I did it. I've got you forever. They didn't understand that. So here's the question from Judas, and not that Judas. Not Judas Iscariot. Judas, not Iscariot, said to Jesus, Lord, how is it you'll manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Like, Jesus, you're going to come show yourself, but won't everybody see you? It's not certain that that happened, right? Because Jesus came back in the upper room, or he came back in different things, and 500 people saw him at once, but the whole world didn't see him again. So that's one way to take this, but I I think there's something bigger because Jesus answers it and he goes big. He says, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word. Yeah, there's that promise again. If you love him, if you receive this, right, you're gonna, you're gonna keep his word. And he's changed command to word, the truth. And my father will love him, promise. And we will come to him, promise. And we'll make our home with him, promise. This is amazing. I just can't hardly even believe it. And I, again, I, 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 you may sit and go, well, yeah, I'm, I'm, this is not exciting to me, but this ought to be the most exciting thing you've ever heard, that Jesus promises that if we receive the truth of who he is, that he's in us and the Father's in us and with us always. It echoes the end of Matthew. You know the very last line of Matthew. You know what the end of Matthew 28 is? He says, well, it's the great commandment. Go tell everybody. No, that's not the last line of Matthew. What is it? And lo, I am with you always, even to the end. Peace out. Right? I'm with you. I don't leave you. You're not alone. You're never alone. I'm always with you. And know it again. What's my problem? I got lion eyes. I don't think Jesus is with me. I look around and I think, no, Jesus isn't with me. And then my next step is, maybe if I do something for Jesus, he'll be with me. And I'm right back on that first way road. Instead of letting the Holy Spirit come and say, no, 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 wait. Wait. On the cross, Jesus said he'll be with you forever. And he's got the power to do it. And don't believe your lying eyes. He's with you. He's got you. Hear the Spirit. Right? It's amazing. It's all about Jesus. Will you see him? Because if you don't, none of it happens. And verse 24, whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Do you see? still see that there are people who won't love Christ. And what does that mean? They won't receive that his one-way love is on them. 
I know I'm working on this myself. I'm not going to just receive that Jesus Christ, as he's speaking right now to the disciples, is about to go to the thing that history has been built for, which is the cross and the Son of God dying for you and me and our identity and our value and everything we have wrapped up in that cross. And instead we'll say, no, that's fine. But i got to do this over here. This is the word of the Father, not just Jesus. It's not about your moral improvement. It's about receiving the truth. It's about having the words. What words? That Jesus Christ does it all for you. You trust him and the helper comes to help you remember, to constantly comfort and remind. If you don't have this, you're just lost. It's just the truth. And and so amazingly positive, though. I mean, yeah, there are people who won't, but we do. We're sitting here worshiping this Jesus. And so the message for us is that he's done it. And there's incredible, not just truth, but peace in this. That's what assurance is, right? It's peace. I've got peace in my heart. Why? Because this is true. Let me show you. Peace. Verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. Okay, but Jesus is leaving, right? But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. So there's the Helper again, right? There's the Spirit. What is he doing? He's the Spirit of truth. And and he's reminding you and me of what the truth is. He's not enabling power. He's remembering, a remembering power. You don't have you. Jesus has you. He's got it. You don't have the ability. Jesus has you. Jesus has done it. He loves you. He died for you in every circumstance. This is the message. We need to hear it because on our own we default back. We start to worry. We start to have anxiety. We start self-examination. We start judgment just like the world. And I do, I know, I drift off and I get anxious and anxious and I forget. You know who has me every moment? I know it's a Sunday school answer, but you got to hear it. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He's got you. In every circumstance, as things happen in your life, as things don't go how you want, as you didn't get this thing you thought you were going to get, as somehow you got this burden to bear, as somebody doesn't treat you rightly, as this world falls apart seemingly, seemingly is the big word, because Jesus has it under control. Right? And that's why he says in verse 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. There it is. Peace. Not worry that you're not keeping the commandments enough. Not anxiety. Do you really love them enough? Not like, oh, make, hey, hey, you should, but you're not doing what you should do. You should be very afraid. No, he says, do you realize the peace that I give is the peace saying, I've got you. That's the very message. Assurance because the cross is enough. And in that, what the message is, the very message is your failure. I am too. 
That's the don't be troubled idea, right, that he started chapter 14 with. You can go back and look at the first verse where he starts to say don't be troubled because they're coming off this idea that they, they're going to abandon him. He says, but don't worry about it. What is, why would he say don't worry about it? I've got you. Preparing a place for you. Coming back for you. Not leaving you orphans. He's talking to us. This is Jesus. Peace, right relationship, because he does it all. I know it's hard. We don't see him, but he's coming again. And so he says in verse 28, You heard me say to you, I'm going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. See, see, wait. Get this. We're almost done. It's almost it. But get this. If you're a person who thinks, oh, 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 look, Jesus is only taking people who love him, then guess what? The disciples don't get to go. Because the text says, if you would have loved me, the, the, the implication is, you're not loving me well here, guys. You're not doing it. But it's not about their love. It's about the love of who? Jesus. And for us, it's about the love of Jesus. They fail again. And so he will create that too because the reality is we don't love well enough. That's the actual message. The message itself is that Jesus has to do it all. And with his death, we see forever his love for us, not our love for him. And that love shines in the darkness and shines in our hearts and the power of the Spirit. So we trust him. We trust him. Unlike the world. So Jesus is like, okay, that's enough. And he says it here. He says, I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world's coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. He says, huh, that, that's enough. The world's coming. The world's going to kill Jesus. And then, and then you'll know that he loves. Because I'm part of the world and the, the cross has come into my life and changed me forever. And how's it changed me? I see in my failure, in my inability. What do I know? Rock solid with all of my heart. He has me. And he has you too. Okay. Uh, let me be done. But I, I know this is a lot of theology today. So let me, let me do it this way. I, I played some soccer as a kid. I wasn't very good. I played left wing. One of the things is that I'm left-handed, but I'm not left-footed. It's kind of a shame to tell people. So I got to play left wing. It's real exciting. But okay, so so there's a soccer game. Get your mind on a soccer. Soccer's awesome. Football, real football. And and there you have the soccer game going. What are you trying to accomplish in the soccer game? You're trying to win. How do you win? You make goals. So the team tries to make goals, and you, you're working there together, and there you are. You're trying to make goals. And so the individual, if, if what I'm doing is practicing really hard my dribbling and going around in circles and stealing the ball from my teammate and running around in circles over here because I need to work on my dribble. I need to be the best dribbler I can be. I need to be an awesome dribbler. In fact, forget the dribbling. I want to be the guy that just can knock the ball around like hacky sack. Pop it over my head and do all these awesome tricks. Does that score a goal? No. It makes everybody look at me. Say, well, well, I'm going to help the guy make the goal. That's that's kind of our thinking. And the reality is, yeah, that's because you're in two games. 
on the one game. It's the game of the world. It's about how well do you work in community with the world to be a good player. And you've got to practice your dribbling. You've got to practice your kicking. You've got to practice because you need to, 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 to achieve the goals that you make for yourself in life. And you do that by working hard. But what we've been talking about today is a whole other game. It's a different game. Why is it a different game? Because the person's already scored all the goals. Jesus Christ scores all the goals. He won. And then we take the ball, now that all the goals are scored, and we're acting like it's really important that I kick the ball around. I want everyone to see how great a dribbler I am. I want people to see, and I have all these other little goals that I start to make for me. Don't ever forget that it's about winning and winning the game. And the truth for the team that you're on is that the game has been won by Jesus. He scored all the goals. He's the hero of the story. He's amazing. He didn't even need your help. It could be 12 or 11 to 1. He did it all. And you and I need to trust. People start to say, no, 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 he didn't. You're not really his unless you learn to dribble well. So what are you talking about? The game has been won. Here it is. It's not that you've got you. He's got you. Forever, right? Can I have an amen? Let's pray.